Thanks for listening to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're reviewing The Black Phone. You all heard of it and made a killing at the box office bringing in over $20 million opening weekend, even up against competition like Jurassic World Dominion, Elvis, Top Gun, and Lightyear. I think the last I saw just uh, before today, it was like at 44 or 48, somewhere around here. Well, yeah, you and I, you know, we've looked forward to seeing it since before it re- since before the release date changed. But uh, we're glad that it did change because this movie was meant for summer crowds. This is a summer movie for sure. So we're going to pick the movie apart, the good, the bad, and the in-between. All that and more today on High Hi, on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, again, we'd like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Hensley, not only for saving our asses every week, but for that killer theme, as always. See, I love that thing, man. I jam every time. What do you got for us over there? What are we smoking today? I got some more that Death Star. 19.9%. Oh, shit. Okay. uh, It's that shit Palpatine smoked, and then he created the first Death Star. (laughs) No, this this stuff smells so good. It's a... yeah, it's got like a lemony, almost a lemon smell, but it's like earthy and grassy. It has, it smells kind of sweet. The nugs are beautiful. Speaking of nugs, here's this a is the nug. weed I think that the Manson crew smoked in the 60s. <laughs> it well, was named Death Star before Star Wars came out. I'm going to start this episode off with a knowledge nug for you. Director Scott Derrickson's home burned down in the 2018 California fires, and after the black phone, he bought a new house. During his first night in his new house, a phone in his basement rang. Uh, It was a dark and dank basement. I mean, was it our kind of dank? <laughs> uh, but but Scott, anyway, well, I don't know. But either way, he did the white person thing, and he went and checked it out. And uh, there was actually a black phone hanging on the wall in his basement, and it was ringing. And even though it creeped him out a little bit, and he was kind of like, "What the fuck?" Scott still answered the phone, and uh, only to find out that it was producer and head of Blumhouse Productions, Jason Blum, on the other line. Um, Jason hired someone to install a black phone in Scott's basement. Now, whenever Scott picks the phone up, it goes right to calling Jason Blum's cell. I got some questions about that. Like, how much do you think that cost for the installation? How much do you think he had to pay for that? It's a VIP stuff, right? Like, is this just like a separate line? Like, how much is he paying a month on this direct line? And is is it really that? Well, I guess if you make one movie and it's good, that it probably very is very much cost of cost efficient. But like, also, does like Scott have this many ideas that like Jason's just like I want a direct line whenever he has a dream. That could be maybe yeah maybe it's like I want I legit want a direct line whenever you have a, a new movie you want to make like call me but uh, Jason Blum is actually great friends friends with Scott and uh, he's very protective of him as so a like director. It's like your own personal walkie talkies from like when you were kids and you could talk to your friend. Right, exactly. Only it's like your own personal director and producer. But um, yeah, uh, Jason Blum's very protective of Scott as a director and uh, he basically gets Scott whatever he needs. And Jason backed Sinister as one of Blumhouse's first projects. So yeah, they're definitely cool. Yeah, I, that's pretty awesome. I mean, everybody, I think, is well aware of our love of Sinister. Yeah, that's one of those tricks where I don't, like, at first you'd be like, what the fuck? But then afterwards, I think I'd probably appreciate it and be like, that was a pretty cool prank, actually. Yeah, I mean, Although you got I want your my key own, back. own black phone. I want my key back. However you got yeah. in the house, I want how, that key how, back. How the fuck did you get in there? <laughs> All right, well, uh, the black phone is based off of the short story of the same title by Joe Hill. 
Although the script was penned by Scott Derrickson and Robert C. Cargill, the same uh, duo who wrote Sinister, uh, director Scott Derrickson was drawn to the project because he liked the fact that the story combined a serial killer and a ghost story. He uh, never saw that done before, and he said that uh, the grand ambition of the movie was to not compromise the scariness or the suspense for the inclusion of humor, empathy, love, inspiration, and hope, to somehow have all of those things coexist at the same time. And I thought that if I could pull that off, this would be different to any other film of its kind that I've seen. Did he pull it off? We'll get into that, but first let's talk about the short story by Joe Hill. I'm going to briefly go over what I can that doesn't spoil the movie for those of you who haven't seen the movie yet. If you've seen the trailer for The Black Phone, then you'll know that all the things that I'm about to say don't give any spoilers away. It's mostly differences. Unfortunately, I'm going to carry this segment a little bit because John don't read. Damn, call me out, you fucking nerd. (laughs) Fucking hit the ball. (laughs) It's not that you can't read, you don't read. That's a choice. I'm not a learned man. You're an audiobook guy. I do. I do like audiobooks. When I was younger, I could definitely read, but uh, fucking technology just killed my attention span. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, first off, the short story is 20 pages long and is found in the short story compilation by Joe Hill called 20th Century Ghosts. Uh, 20 pages tells you right there that the movie had to make up a lot of stuff to fluff out the story to be feature length. However, instead of doing... Uh, movie adaptation novel they just retitled 20th century ghost to the black phone stories and slapped ethan hawk's face on the cover and this is bullshit to me because none of the other stories have anything to do with the black phone but this new title this cash grab is misleading if i don't know anything about the black phone and i saw the new book at the grocery store or wherever i'd think oh there's a whole series of books or stories on the black phone movie and there's not it's one story so don't fall for it please and uh, don't call 20th Century Ghost black phone stories. Just don't. Um, anyway. <laughs> or Drew uh, will find you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, first difference is uh, the grabber is known as. Okay. You good? The grabber, the grabber is known as the Galesburg grabber in the story. Um, the grabber. Here's, here's one. The grabber is an obese and sloppy man. He's described as having two plump folds of skin where his neck meets the base of his skull. And as we know, that's not the case with the movies. Grabber, Ethan Hawke is an average sized guy, right? It was a little swole (laughs) in the book. The grabber legit, uh, grabs a kid out of his shoes. Like shoes left in the street, right? Damn, like like that time Undertaker like choke slammed Terry Funk out of his sneakers. Exactly. I knew you were gonna make a reference, a wrestling <laughs> reference. Um, uh, here's a big one. There's no mask in the book. No mask at all. And that's um, interesting because I feel like the mask. Right. That's like the main thing of the movie, right? And like you're like that's kind of. Yeah, I'd say it might be the black phone. Well, it, it, <laughs> it makes uh, it, it makes you wonder. Like that's what I was thinking when you read the short story and you see how much the movie embellished. It's like I wonder of all the short stories they get where you don't need to embellish. Like how stories like the black phone get picked up. Like not that it's not a good story, but I'm like it's so like they had to add so much to it. It's kind of like. Uh, it's just like how did that story make the cut i don't but it worked i'm well, glad you they did watch it. me piss off two fan bases at once <laughs> you want to go ahead maybe joe hill's like his dad he's like he tells okay stories his stories are better done when somebody else makes them oh <laughs> <laughs> and which of those two is better maybe we'll get into that in a future episode i'm not gonna argue with you about <laughs> over this right now <laughs> this is, that'll be behind the scenes 
Um, but uh, okay, uh, Finney's sister in the book is named Susanna, whereas in the movie she's named Gwen. Susanna also didn't have a dream leading her to where her brother is being kept, like in the trailer. Uh, but instead, she gets a strange vibe to turn down a street she's never been on while she's riding her bike. She gets a gut feeling that it's the street she's or that the brothers. Once she gets on the street, she has a gut feeling like, oh my god, this is the street he's on. And in the book, she has a little psychic ability, not much, but she does dabble in the occult. So in the yeah, movie, that's a, that's a big difference, I right? Mean, yeah, in the trailer. We didn't make those details public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, so in the movie, she just dreams. She isn't doing occult stuff, you know, like tarot cards and all. But uh, that's, you know, all I can say for now about the book. But trust me when I say it's good. And I'll come back to the book and go over the differences it has with the movie with spoilers at the end of the episode if you want to stick around. The black phone. Uh, it's funny. I wrote in my notes here. I wrote 2021 and it's totally not 2021 it's 2022 yeah so the black phone is a 2022 american supernatural horror film it brings scott derrickson see robert cargill and ethan hawk back together and uh i guess james james ransone as well uh they all work together on sinister and you know how much we love that uh man yeah just listen to our sinister episode if you want to hear how big of fans we are of sinister that movie is amazing I'm, you'll never hear us singing a bad word about it yeah, that's 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 high up on my list. I feel like it's it's underappreciated. Agreed. One, I think it truly is one of the best well, horror movies of all time. Yes. sinister. We don't need to <laughs> go and talk about more. But that's Listen how much to the we episode. like it. <laughs> anyway, the settings: North Denver, Colorado. The years nineteen seventy eight. A serial child abductor known as the Grabbers going around snatching up kids. He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. The Blake children live with their abusive and alcoholic father after the suicide of their mother. Finney Blake, played by Mason Thames, is frequently bullied at school. I want to talk about that real quick. Like, these fights where there's, like, bullies, like, we saw it in It, like... Oh, they threw, like, garbage water at her. Oh, they pushed somebody down. Like, they threw rocks. I guess rocks is bad, but it doesn't feel as, like, violent as this. Like, they're beating the shit out of each other. Like, yeah, it's pretty... I mean, like, yeah. if this was UFC, they're getting $50,000 bonuses. Yeah, they were... like, And it goes on for a while, too. They, they These bullies pummel the shit out of them. Yeah, that was not something I was really ready for, but, uh... Even the non-bully fight, even the other kid fight, the the the, the bully fighting the other kid, his uh, his friend Robin, that's a freaking, that's another fight that's just brutal. Yeah. Uh, after being chased down by bullies and cornered in a bathroom, uh, he makes a new friend, Robin, that you just mentioned, played by Miguel Mora. Uh, he fends off the bullies and tells Finney, you have to stand up for yourself. And before this, we saw Robin, like, we talk about just whooping ass. Like, he knocks this kid <laughs> down, and he walks over, and, like, I guess I'm going to ruin it, but fuck it. You think, like, after the second punch, he's done. Nah, he wails on him, like, what, six, seven punches? Just, he's in the top mount. He's not protecting himself. Herb Dean's reffing, like, so you know somebody <laughs> getting fucked up. You just painted the whole UFC picture. He just, dude, he's just ground and pounded him, like, old school Chuck Liddell. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, even though it's the the uh, the, the and these the, are like middle school, high school kids. And even though it's not like the bully getting his ass or whooping ass, it's the the kid that he's trying to bully getting his ass whooped or whooping ass. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm for, at over first, you're like, this kid's a dick, and then you're like, wait, no, he was sticking it up to the bully. He's it, just but, violent as fuck. But the thing is, even though it's the bully getting his face bashed, and it's so excessive that even freaking Finney says, you know, nobody deserved that. Like, you know, <laughs> so it's pretty bad, you know. But uh, but yeah, Robin do- ain't fucking around, like you said, Bruce Lee movies, like uh. He's he's basically you know don't fuck with me. I, I like that kid. Yeah, he loves. Yeah, we find out he loves Bruce Lee movies. That's where that's where he learned it. So who do you think uh, learned better? <laughs> oh man, I know you're not ready for this one. Who do you think learned martial arts from TV better in their movies? Do you think it was Robin or Busta Rhymes and Halloween <laughs> Resurrection? <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I'm, <laughs> you got me with that Freddy, one. Freddy, I couldn't yeah, think of I'm his I'm going to have to say Dangertainment. <laughs> I'm going to have to that say. That is a good name. I do like that. I'm going to have to say, uh, I think Buster Rhymes, just because like in terms of whose ass he's kicking, he, it is Michael Myers. See, I wanted, I was going to say Robin, hands down, but I think you just swayed me. See, like, it is Because he Michael did Myers. roundhouse Michael Myers. <laughs> and he told Michael Myers the fucking shoe basically and he listened to him <laughs> yeah, dude, so you know why you completely out. swayed me i thought this was just a runaway that it was going to be robin but no that makes as bad as it is danger taming for the win yeah i mean i guess you know the whatever well, well maybe not ty tyra she was fucked up freaking uh yeah all the kung fu movies he's watching in his hotel room taught him uh, enough kung fu to whoop michael myers's ass i mean fair enough that. look at me anyway <laughs> one of finney's friends bruce is abducted by the grabber uh, Gwen Blake, the other Blake sibling, played by Madeline McGraw, and she's had a hell of a start to her career. Yeah, Ant Man movies, this like she 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 she's doing pretty well for herself. Uh, she has psychic dreams like her mother before her suicide, and like you said, that's a big change here. She dreams of Bruce's kidnapper. Um, well, not the kidnapper, but she sees the van and the and the balloons, and then like I said, that's in the trailer. We never released it. <laughs> detective wright and miller having a hard time believing her claims i don't think i would believe her either so yeah agreed i, I mean either. they're made they're made to look like the bad guys because they don't believe but like some kid just tells you that i would think that she knew whoever was it but somebody told you about the black yeah. balloon thing like, you know somebody attached to this i wouldn't believe that she dreamed about it but yeah, yeah, anyway. I'm, yeah i'm with them yeah they never released those details publicly so they're miffed as to how she knows and another teenage after that our uh, teenage badass robin gets abducted yeah poor that's, robin man you know that's why i mean we'll get to that part but it's in the trailer so it's you already know when finney gets abducted i'm just like well damn if robin couldn't get out like right right that might have been the whole point of showing like yeah. you know what i mean just to show you that if poor little finney uh is gonna have to fight this guy and robin couldn't then what the hell and uh, now it's Friday, so every Friday Gwen seems to stay over at a friend's house. I can see why she tries to get away from her father. Uh, yeah. So that leaves Finney's job to tend to their father. Uh, Finney encounters the grabber on his way home, though, and he's abducted. He wakes up, he's in a small soundproof basement, and he's terrified of the mask wearing grabber. As a kid, I mean, I think I'd, I'd be scared as fuck, too, of that dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. That mask is pretty, like, creepy looking. And, like, the other thing is, like, he doesn't raise his voice, he doesn't threaten Finney, which makes it, like, just, like, more weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, next to the mattress in the basement is, what do you think? 
uh, Black Phone. <laughs> and but the wires cut, which like makes me think, why did he leave it in there? Yeah, that, yeah, that's unknown even in the short story. And uh, the grammar says it doesn't work, uh, so we all know obviously it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, Finney hears the phone ring. He answers it, and Bruce speaks to him. Except Bruce doesn't know that he's Bruce, so Finney's able to help Bruce figure it out. Remembering back to like the little league game that like first starts the movie, mm-hmm. he hits a game-winning home run off of and walks him off. He doesn't do a bat flip. I'm kind of kind of upset about that, but uh, he tells him that he's like at first I thought he was being a dick when he said your arms meant. I thought he was just taunting same, him. Same. But then like no, he was serious because he's like you almost got me. He had he had him on an O2 count. I don't know why he didn't throw something out of the zone and make him chase it for that third out. But that curveball. That curveball. <laughs> Drew Drew just throwing out like the only pitch he knows. <laughs> I mean, that's pre- yeah, that's is, is there one called a straight cross or is that a boxing punch? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, that's so much about baseball. I know, anyway, uh, stop humiliating me. Anyway, uh, Finney's able, like I said, to help Bruce figure out who he was because he uses the line about his arms mint. And uh, Bruce was unable to remember what he even did when he was alive as well. He tells Finney about a floor tile he can remove to dig a tunnel and escape, like. He got like pretty far. Full on Shawshanks, that bitch. Right? I was see, I was gonna make a Shawshank reference myself. Either that or Escape from Alcatraz. <laughs> Although, well, I guess they're about kind of the same. About the same. But uh, I don't know how the grabber doesn't know about that. He he like, doesn't pay attention, man. Big ass hole. Like, it's a lot of it's a lot of problems with this guy. He doesn't. He's not really fully committed. I don't think he's focusing on the wrong shit. Right, he he's too busy trying to be like uh, John John Wayne Gacy at the magician game. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, and I, mean, I think yeah, probably here we should probably maybe not go further with the plot. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, I will say for me, the movie at times like the aesthetic and just the shots felt very much like a shot out of sinister just yeah. from the way it was filmed like yep. that kind of grainy that's 16 millimeter yep exactly and i mean it, i'm not saying it was a bad thing i didn't mind it and uh i feel like a lot of times like these types of movies like abduction movies can feel drawn out like i don't know i don't know how you feel about it. there's just like times where i'm just like come on just like we know eventually they're going to get rescued or this is going to happen like but I feel like yeah, I totally get that a hundred percent. Yeah. Like an example would be like prisoners from 2013. It got to the point where we're like, okay, like give us something, like yeah. move the story along. I didn't get that from this movie at all. It felt very tightly done, but I think yeah. that might have to do with it coming from a short story. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the pace was well kept. I do agree with that. So, I mean, obviously they had to expand it, but I mean, you already have the whole story there, so you don't have to expand it that much. And also, also, I feel like sometimes like throwing in a supernatural element can feel cheesy. And again, I didn't get that from this movie. Ethan Hawke is like super charismatic as the serial killer. And uh, I mean, although I guess they say most serial killers are charming. So good yeah, job on yeah. being a serial killer. Like he that's plays- kind of a weird compliment to get somebody <laughs> right. Good but job. uh i yeah. mean he pulls it off well he does does well in the role we'll talk about it a little bit more with spoilers but uh right here i'd give it an 8.2 out of 10 okay yeah i pretty much i agree with everything you said um 
I'll go more in depth into like why I give my uh, why I give the rating I'm about to give it. I give it a nine out of ten. I really liked it. Uh, there are some uh, big differences from the book, from the story rather, the short story to the film, but I don't necessarily think that they're bad. Um, a lot of them are improvements. I will go more in depth into the spoilers once we talk about spoilers, but uh, I will say, yeah, uh, the acting was just everything about this movie just uh, hit the nail on the head. It was a, it was a, it was a well outing. It was near perfect experience. If it was just a little scarier, I don't know if it's possible in a movie like this because definitely packed the scares in as it was in detention but i just feel like if it left me with that like afraid to turn the lights off at home uh feeling which it didn't i don't think movies like this typically do but uh, if it did that probably would have made it a fucking 10 for me i think that's all it's missing is like that true scare factor that that rattling scare factor but sinister gave us that and this isn't sinister you know yeah i would still i still prefer sinister like that Same. movie I would truly agree. creeps me out agreed definitely um I was going to say, like, we haven't got the spoilers, and I haven't even talked about my favorite character in the movie yet. Like, because <laughs> like, it's only in spoilers. Who's your favorite character like, in the movie? Can you say without being in spoilers? I mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe not, if it's who I think. Who do you think it is? The name begins with M? Yeah. Save that for spoilers. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, so, if you haven't watched it or you don't want it ruined, just uh, get off here. I mean... Go listen uh, to our Sinister episode. I mean, don't actually probably physically get off, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like I said, go listen to our Sinister episode, you know, and then once you see the movie, come back and finish this episode. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, it's spoiling time. So, uh, getting back here to the story, uh, the grabber brings Finney some food and leaves it at the door, uh, and leaves the basement unlocked. Finney's very, uh, cautious of the food, but I feel like the grabber gave a good thing. He's like, why would I poison you now? <laughs> I mean, that is a, but also I wouldn't trust the fucking hair on the motherfucker's head. right? Uh, so Finney's preparing to sneak out, but he's stopped by another boy on the phone called Billy. He explains it's a game the grabber likes to play, and he's waiting upstairs to attack Finney with a belt. Basically, just like his dad did at home, you see earlier in the movie. And uh, Billy instructs him to use a cord he had found to get out of the basement window when climbing Finney, as Drew put it during the movie, was looking like Bruce Wayne trying to escape the pit in Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yes. But the difference is he and Talia both did it without the rope. That's right. And he I made, don't know how he would have got there without a rope at he, all. So, he made the jump. <laughs> he wasn't the kid of, I guess he wasn't the child of prophecy. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Finney ends up breaking the bars on the window when he tries that, which when they first were doing that, I was like, isn't this just going to like rip this grid out? I don't know how he was planning to like move. Anyway, I did not think that was his best option. Agreed. I, I, yeah. I agree. Uh, and then Gwen, she dreams of Billy being abducted and uh, confides in her father uh, what's happening. Uh, we get back to Detective Wright and Miller, and they speak to a weird-ass dude, Max, played by James Ransone, and my personal favorite character in the movie. There it is. I knew that's who it was. <laughs> dude, he's so good at like everything he does. I agree. He's, he's a good character, man. He's, he's a witty guy. And uh, he's staying in the area with his brother, and uh, it's also interested in tracking down the grabber, 
Which I wonder if this was purposely done to like call back to his character of deputy like so and so in Sinister. Yeah, that he's uh, that. because he was like even obviously he was a cop, but he was like super into solving that as well. Was, yeah, or working with Ethan Hawke. And now uh, we'll find out how he knows Ethan Hawke. <laughs> but uh, I think you already know this because you're in the spoiler section. And uh, right, you're gonna find out if you don't. <laughs> It's revealed Finney's being held in Max's basement, which he's unaware of. Like, how do you not know? Well, I guess it's soundproof, but, like, you don't... I guess if... If it's an unfinished basement, I guess he's really not going down there. There's not really any rooms in my house that I don't feel that I wouldn't, like, visit frequently, though. Like, I don't just feel like I'd leave but a room But if you had a basement at. that looked exactly like that, would you be going down there? Uh, no, but me, but if I had a brother that kept going down there, I would probably... But he probably doesn't know. Did I just give, did I just pre-spoil our spoilers? I mean, we're in spoilers, so people are going to know this anyway, so. <laughs> That's true. Or, but... I mean, it's your fault you're still here, we told you. <laughs> um, But uh, I, I would feel suspicious about, you know, I'd be like, what's down there? Why does they, why do they keep going down there? So I feel that almost like it's But maybe almost... he does it when Max isn't, like, around. Maybe. That's definitely, definitely I mean, he's possible. a part-time magician. I don't think his days are busy. I think he's a real part-time magician. I mean, he does make kids disappear. Yeah, I mean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. That's the cruelest magic trick ever. Uh, yeah, and Max is the grabber's brother. Uh, Finney speaks to another one of the victims, Griffin, on the phone. And Griffin shows Finney a combination to a lock and informs him the grabber's fallen asleep upstairs. Finney sneaks upstairs and unlocks the door with the combination. Like, I get you have to pull to make that combination, like, like the combination lock open, but, like, my man was making a lot of noise, like, <laughs> each time he tested that. Yeah. And just woke the dog up. I could, I could see that, yeah. And what's imp what's important, though, is that, uh, is that fucking Max lives in the same house, right? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, they, he lives in the same house as the grabber. So that's just, like, a... Like, holy shit, the dude's not living alone. You know, that's not the impression you get from the trailer. Yeah. Uh, Finney flees down the street, but he's recaptured by the grabber. The grabber's holding him and threatens to cut his throat if he makes a noise. I feel like this is one of the few times, like, you really just get, like, that anger. Mm -hmm. from, like, he's very, very calm and very cool about everything, but, like... Yeah, like when he tackles him and he just like threatens to cut his throat, you're like, damn, now you yeah. finally kind of see that real violent side of him. I feel like you got like angry Ethan Hawke in that voice, like in his other voices and noises he makes, he's being the grabber. But in that angry, like that was somebody, that was the voice he uses when somebody gives him the wrong coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we know that Ethan Hawke's just going around terrorizing baristas. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, with, with the grabber, he didn't want to play the villain role because he said he didn't want it to affect his career. And I forget, I, I read it somewhere. I can't remember who brought it up to him, but he said that they told him you're 50 years old. And then he realized that probably now playing villains is his future in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm all for Ethan Hawke playing bad guys. He's a good actor. I mean, he doesn't really do any, does he do Does he play any parts wrong? Has he ever played no. a bad part? He's I mean, been in bad movies, but he's never gave a bad performance. Exactly. You can be in bad movies, but you know, he's never been bad. He never been bad. <laughs> uh Finney answers the phone and we get another victim. Like, this man was just cutting people down in the seventies. 
uh, Vance, who, the way you worded that. who Finney was scared of. Uh, Vance informs Finney of a connecting storage unit he can escape through if he breaks a hole in the wall and exits through the freezer on the other side of the wall. I gotta say, one of the few things of when they were saying that during the movie, I was like, this shit's too complicated. I'm too baked to understand you, ghost. <laughs> but like, yeah, break a hole in the wall, come through a freezer. Like, this is a lot of information to take in. And a lot of effort, too. I feel like... If this yeah, was, was you, you would give it up, bro. A little effort in you'd, have, you'd have made the hole in the wall and be like, I'll, I'll take care of the freezer the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> so, uh, Finney did create the hole with the toilet tank cover, and he enters the back of the freezer only to discover that the door is chained shut. And then Finney just has a breakdown, like full on Andy Barkley in Child's Play 1 when he's just like losing his shit in the fucking uh, in the hospital. Yeah totally uh understandable too the phone rings one more time and who is it fucking robin at the end my of the man line. robin he comforts finney and encourages him to finally stand up and fight for himself teaches him some nice fighting moves too yeah you hit you hit you hit, you hit him with that faint come back and just fucking whop him with the phone <laughs> right which they showed that in the like just a quick tip they showed too much in the fucking trailer they did show a lot in the trailer but I'm just, this is just a general, yeah. like too many movies are giving away too much shit in the trailer, but it's unfair because I want it like Halloween. It ruins so much in the fucking trailers, but I'm going to want to watch it because it's Halloween. I want to see the trailer. Fair enough. But like you said, like the, the, the thing with Robin rehearsing that is I hadn't seen that in the trailer watching that. That might've been something I deliberately brought up is how cool of a moment that was. But like you said, because it's been spoiled in the trailer, it's just kind of like a known scene. Yeah. Cause it kept in the trailer. It didn't have the whole thing, but it just kept having the step back and swing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, he, he coming in with the faint step back and then fucking <laughs> smack that motherfucker anyway motherfucker motherfucker he instructs finney to remove the phone receiver and pack it with dirty dug up to make it heavier and then he gives them instructions on how to fight and uh tells them this is the last time they'll talk be like yo you can't even like come back after it's over right like come on dog <laughs> come on dog gwen dreams of vance's abduction and discovers the property of the grabber when she finds the house she contacts Wright and miller Max realizes Fiddy's being held in the house and rushes to the basement to free him, but his brother kills him. Straight axe to the fucking head. That shit was brutal. It's mm -hmm. got, I mean, there's no contest that's kill of, the, kill of the movie. Oh, yeah. And it's a probably most expected kill of the movie, too. And it's like, it's, it's weird to say it's a funny moment because of the like whole seriousness of the scene mm -hmm. but when he discovers finney it's it's almost comical because he's just like what the fuck like anybody <laughs> would be like what the fuck there's a fucking kid in this basement yeah, like right. what the fuck's going on <laughs> and then he just fucking gets axed to the head uh yeah, he gets so, pretty, he gets so my man max just gone yeah it was brutal for sure just killed his brother like didn't even hesitate not even no didn't even hesitate the Graber tells Finney he's going to torture him, basically, more or less. He said he was just going to stab him, but now, uh, I guess because he made him kill his brother, he's got to pay. Yeah, and he's made shit just complicated for him in general. <laughs> yeah. The police rush to the house Gwen found in her dreams, but they find it abandoned. And uh, what they do find is buried bodies of the Graber's victim. 
Uh, the Grammar attacks Finney with an axe, but he manages to hit him with them moves. <laughs> he trips him. Trips him. They didn't even, re- like, that surprised me because they didn't even discuss about, like, booby traps. Right, right, and he right. he just trips the Grammar with the cord and uh, causing him to fall in the tunnel that they were, the Shawshank tunnel. Yep. With the uh, grate that he pulled out of the window, right? With the grate. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Uh, uh, he breaks and he traps his ankle. It looks like he might have broke his ankle. Yeah, it's broken. It's fucked. That shit broke. He got that <laughs> Connor ankle. <laughs> the Connor McGregor ankle. Like he snapped that shit. Uh, the, the ghost That's a doctor talk- stoppage. <laughs> it's a doctor. It was like a medical. Yeah, it's a fucking doctor stoppage. Yeah. Your wife is in my DMs. <laughs> Anyway, getting back to this movie, uh, the ghost taunt the grabber over the phone before Finney breaks his neck with a phone cord. Like, he just straight, like... Uh, Yokes him. <laughs> Yokes his neck up. Yeah, like, he just put all his weight into it. And uh, Finney distracts the guard dog with meat from the freezer. That dog didn't give a shit about him when he got a steak. Mm-hmm. Scapes the house using the combination he learned. I wanted to talk about the combination. I forgot to bring that up when I first mentioned it. It's a little small detail, but I really liked it that the numbers were written on the wall, but it wasn't clear what the combination was, if mm-hmm. it was a two or a twenty-two. Yep. So he had to like go through that. Uh so he exits the house and uh he uh exits the house across the street from the grave sites where he reunites with Gwen and the police rush to the property. The siblings comfort each other and they reunite with their father, who apologizes for his treatment because uh yeah, he like beats the, violently beats the shit out of these kids, and yeah, uh, he yeah. likes he likes to drink, like a lot. So so much so they fucking broke him by breaking a vodka bottle. <laughs> yeah, right. That man lost his shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Back I'd- at school, uh, he's now treated with respect. Uh, confident Finney gets to sit next to his crushing class. <laughs> Everybody's happy. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't think the father turned his shit around. I think he was still probably an abusive fuck. It's it's probably it's hard for addicts, you know, but hopefully he did. But the movie ended on a note where it was like it was such a dark movie. That, like, here's a little bit of hope. So maybe there's hope all around, you know. But like like you said, I guess I would I would I would uh, admit or agree to if anybody if anybody in the movie didn't change or didn't keep to their new shit, it would be uh, it would be him. Yeah, and the twist was. Uh that you see them go into the house. I hate to use it because it's not the same exact thing. But when it was happening, I was like, is this going to be like Saw 2? Where you <laughs> think they're in the house, but they're in the wrong house. Yeah. And you find out that like he owned both properties. Yeah. So the grabber yeah. was staying in the house and he was just a little nod Gacy. I mean, yeah. originally the short story was a clown and not a magician, but we'll get into that. Right. Uh, up knowledge nug i stole one from you but but like yeah he's he he owns the house where he's like just putting them underneath underneath the house in the basement but he's keeping them locked up at the house across the street before they're dead before he kills them i mean this is gonna sound terrible i think it's a genius idea just the execution of it was horrible i was gonna say it's a genius idea but it's but it's risky as fuck but like the dumb part is to literally have them across the street from each other like that's just bad planning pretty close yeah 
Pretty close. <laughs> not, not that we're like trying to admire a serial killer. I'm just trying but to understand. It's a fucking movie, people. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to give my opinion of the film now, my official opinion. First off, I'm going to talk about Ethan Hawke. Um, the way that he moved, stands, and talks were all him. Scott Derrickson didn't give him any direction on those things. Um, and Mason Thames said that Ethan is amazing to watch in person. And I think that Ethan did a fantastic job. He did a damn good job playing a fucking creep. As expected, he nailed it. I hope he doesn't do too many roles like this. Like, this is unlike anything he's ever done. I don't want him, I don't want to get desensitized to him in this kind of role. The way he had kind of like a soft Michael Jackson voice, you know, just added like a creepiness to the mask. But I want to see him play more villains. Um, just don't was, just don't do the child kidnapper like creepy pedophilia type of dude like any not that there was pedophilia but you know like that yeah. creepy mousy like child killer abductor whatever don't just no more of those keep like preserve that for this and there was a lot of unfair accusations uh being thrown at uh ethan hawk's character before the movie <laughs> they, they were saying that like they were calling it gay face I saw that. Yeah, something like that. I, they, didn't, I, I didn't look into it. And everybody was saying about how he was playing, how it was, wasn't was cool that a straight dude was playing a character of a gay person. And, like, there's nothing in this movie at all that suggests that the grabber is gay. Not Nothing at all. And I, I saw it online for reviews, and I looked it up, and I was like, I actually didn't see it till after I saw the movie. We, we, we actually just saw it today. Um but I saw it online later and I was like, what is this talking about? And I was like, at no point in that movie, did I ever like go, Oh, he's, he's clearly gay. No, I, yeah. Same. No, I, I, like, never... I don't get where all that came from. People. That's Agreed. the problem with a lot of media is you have all these people talking about a movie that hasn't even come out and they're already like lobbing accusations. Uh, not even accusations. You have everybody out there thinking that they're a fucking movie critic and they want to act like they're so smart. So they just, they just look, a movie critic. <laughs> they just look <laughs> into everything way too much and try to say, oh, well, you know, this is a metaphor for this. And it's like, no, sometimes things just are what they are. And there was nothing uh, gay about the character of, of the grabber that like, and I'm not saying if, if it was, that's cool. I don't care if he was, but no, like there was nothing, no, no vibes, nothing. Was absolutely said, zero like, absolutely. to do yeah and, and regardless with the movie regardless we, it's like yeah it has nothing to do with the movie so it's really stupid to target that you know but um but anyway i really liked how he had that like creepy michael jackson voice and uh then like you know he kind of did that like, growl and he'd have aggression and it was just a, a reminder that you know you have no idea what's going on behind the mask or in his mind and you know uh Hawk said that he was glad he got an email from Scott Derrickson and the potential to work with him again because Sinister, their prior film together, reawakened Ethan's love of the genre movies. And uh, oh, thank you, Scott Derrickson, because <laughs> Ethan Hawk, since he Ethan Hawk, <laughs> since, since he's come back to, uh, well, I guess not come back, but since since he's been in horror, it's. He's, he's done some good work. We've gotten some gems already, yeah. And uh, when describing playing the grabber, Ethan said, quote, I kind of saw him as a broken circuit board. His brain was broken and wires didn't connect and there were sparks falling and sometimes it seemed like it could function and other times it didn't, end quote. Uh, he also likes that the grabber's background isn't explained because he feels that too many villains nowadays waste time on exposition. And uh, director Scott Derrickson mentioned Hannibal Lecter and Heath Ledger's Joker when describing the ambiguity behind the grabber and said that the best villains are the ones you know the least about. And I think those are very true words. I agree. Um, and, uh, as far as we do know about what we do know about the grabber's background, Ethan said, uh, quote, we the know he has a brother. <laughs> he, uh, quote, the more I thought about someone who would do, 
the actions he takes hurting children, the less I understood him. There was no way to make sense out of him. Obviously, there's some brutal trauma there. Obviously, there's some immense shame at work. And what's driving him, it is mysterious, end quote. And um, he also states that the grabber is broken, malevolent, and terrible. I kind of like, when I saw that quote, I like the fact that he goes, no, I can't relate with that guy. When you have, like, all these, like, actors that are, like, playing serial killers that are like, this is how I got there, and I did this. Christian Bale would have legit, like, had a murder spree going (laughs) to play the part. (laughs) He'd really really be stacking bodies. (laughs) Where, like, Ethan Hawke is like, no, I'm playing this guy. I can't, I can't embody myself into this kind of person i'm playing a role right like, right that's and fine exactly and uh scott i think scott derrickson did a great job again directing uh what i would call a true horror film sinister as well is a true horror film as is the exorcism of emily rose scott really directs these true horror films um it's not as scary as sinister as we said but based on the premise alone i don't think that it could be you can't compare them uh for what they are they're near perfect movies and uh this movie has one or two good jump scares but it's mostly those real scares that sit with you and just like how scott and robert cargill did in sinister the home life portrayed for finney and gwen as like you mentioned the abuse earlier it was so realistic and painful to watch and i love how scott went back and did like 16 millimeter home video clips of the victims or a victim to show you that they were like normal before this happened just like that kind of like here's them normal on a home video playing with their mom kind of hammering in how sick the grabber is and uh you know what he's taken from these children and, and scott killed it another home run hell yeah um okay so here's the knowledge and i know you wanted to talk about the mask so uh knowledge nug uh, okay so <clears throat> the the sick mask that not not that it's a sick mask i just think that the mask looks sick <laughs> the uh <laughs> the sick mask that the grabber wears was designed by the legend tom savini he grew up with i'm sorry he grew up really he drew up the mask after he and scott derrickson had a discussion about what they wanted the mask to look like well i would imagine tom probably would grow up at some point (laughs) and uh tom gave the design to his protege jason baker who sculpted the mask tom and jason were never on set seeing the mask being worn but they did hand deliver the mask and uh they made between 43 and 45 masks total now that's like you saw there's always there's several variations I'll take any of them. But there's several variations, and they made multiples of each, you know. Um, so 43 uh, between 43 and 45 masks total made, and uh, the mask was meant to look like, an, look like an antique, and the idea was that the grabber found the mask and worked on it himself to make it what it is. And Ethan said that uh, the mask was absolutely essential and terrifying to the work, and I would have... I would have tried to take one if I was on set, like you just said. And uh, unfortunately, though, they had all that shit under uh, hard surveillance because Mason Thames wanted a mask and couldn't get one. Um, He did steal some clothes, though, as did Madeline. She got some turtlenecks. Yeah, dude, that mask. The other thing I really like about it, and they, I will say it's the one thing they didn't really show in the trailer, is it's really two pieces. Yeah. It's like a like a mouth covering it's like a, because, because yeah. that one kid fucked them up i guess it's magnetic maybe i don't know how it I works don't know, but, but i thought that was kind of cool like how it's like two pieces like how the mouth the mouth yeah. plate changes like he, uh, he's like there's a, a, a sad face yeah, a no one cares face. who i was for that put on the mask <laughs> i wonder how many times that's been said that quote's been used during during this podcast <laughs> um uh did you have anything else you wanted to contribute about the mask well no i mean it's 
pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, Trick or Treat Studios or somebody uh, that would be awesome. Like puts out a replica, man, like a good quality replica. I'm a, I'm a buy one and then just wear the bottom half to work. You just walk around with your shirt open, like he did, like just wearing like slacks with your shirt open, like, sitting in a chair. Ain't nobody want to see that. Easiest Halloween costume ever, dude. Sit at the front door with a belt in your lap, with your shirt open, wearing the mask, with a bowl of, with a bowl of candy in your lap. See I don't know. I think the... you get in trouble if you sit in there with a belt and a bowl in your lap. <laughs> I just don't think that's. I'm talking about well. a candy bowl, not a. I know, not a weed I know. Bowl. Yeah, I know you what just you sit meant. Chilling with a weed bowl in your no, mouth. No, I did not think you meant a weed bowl. <laughs> right there in front of. I'm just saying, like, people are going to be like, why do you have a belt when my kid's coming up to get candy? Because I'm playing, what was the what was the game called that he played? The Grabber? Oh, Naughty Boy, that sounds even worse, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so worse. I have a belt on your lap. When my son came over, I wanted to play Naughty Boy. Yeah, that's pretty bad. There's just nothing about that that sounds Yeah, exactly. So that's a bad Halloween costume idea. Do not listen to Drew. I didn't think of it like that. I just thought like people would be scared to, the way that Finney's scared to like walk past him while he's sleeping. I wonder if people would be scared to grab candy. If people haven't seen that movie, they're going to have some issues. Because some people love to be greedy with candy, man. So I wonder, you know, if if somebody would take the risk. But like, (laughs) that could could definitely look bad. That could be all over Facebook and stuff. Local man in Delaware. Exposes himself to children. He has wow, it's just wow, a shirt now open. He's well, just because he had his shirt open, you know. Oh, anyway, geez. this is this went out of hit. This went too far. Let's get back to the movie. <laughs> Let's um, just move forward. Mason Thames did a fine job carrying the film as Finney. Uh, I think that he's a very talented young actor and he's very convincing. And uh, it just made me mad how he wouldn't stand up for himself. You know, uh, he did where it counted though in the end. And uh, by the way, something that I wanted to bring up when you were talking about him just dusting the shit out of the uh the grabber one of the things that he did in the <laughs> book the shit out of the grabber. one of the things that he did in the book was he uh, used the phone as well to uh bust his hands he broke the grabbers like knuckles and hand up like busted his fucking hand up even Ew. with it but um yeah uh, uh tames did amazing and uh, i was rooting for him the whole time and uh, he actually stopped using his cell phone for a while to get into the role in the time period of the late 70s yeah i wonder for him being a kid if that's like literally what he thinks he just had to do to get into the mindset of the 70s but <laughs> we just stopped using his cell phone it's probably because he, he's so young he was probably he's born with literally a cell phone in his hand so maybe like maybe that literally is all it takes for him to just be like damn <laughs> damn this was 90s the 70s. <laughs> 70s 80s it's all the different it, all, it doesn't make you know it's all the same because they didn't have a phone then to him but um yeah um the the other thing that he did that i thought that was cool was that uh nasa uh mason said that um he would think of his family whenever he needed to get emotional and cry and like do like emotional scenes which i think that's sweet that's what i would do 100 percent if i were filming a sad scene i would just think of you know my kids or my wife or something but um he and madeline mcgraw who plays gwen hung out outside of filming to grow their sibling bond for the film which was filming in the height of covid19 and uh, mason said that the whole set was like a big family and a lot of fun and madeline did a fantastic job to uh she brought it, especially in the kitchen scene, that abuse scene, man, that shit was hard to watch, but she sold it, and her anger made the scene swallowable. Don't make, don't, but, you know, it just made the scene easy to go down. Um, it would have been uncomfortable if we hadn't seen that fight in her. Great job. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, these kid actors, it feels like nowadays, are just, like, better and better. Yeah, man. I'm sure it's probably a tougher market now, too. I agree. Yeah. Everybody's got a cell phone and can like do a video of their kid. 
and you know i will say though uh i did want to add you had brought up like you know um you had brought up the ending of the movie and the uh i forget what movie it was that you referenced now that we were talking about the the uh the house across the street having the bodies in it you would reference the movie but prisoners are you talking about when no, i mentioned no, no, prisoners was- earlier <clears throat> anyway it doesn't it doesn't matter but my point is I just said that, john wayne gacy well there was that but my point is just that the, the movie the last 20 minutes of the movie reminded me of the silence of the lambs when they're closing in on buffalo bill oh saw two yes that was it yeah okay so yes yeah, that's okay i i saw silence of the lambs but it's still same same type of scenario you have like all the subplots are kind of all like coming picture, to a head Ethan Hawk, just like dancing like <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's it's uh it's an instant buy when it hits home video i hope we get a steelbook or something from I best buy or like, something just like talking about it i'm like damn i really want to see it again i know right and it's weird because there's a lot of movies like i just brought it up again though but yes with prisoners i saw prisoners twice and it's been for sale on voodoo and stuff for cheap but it's kind of like the sixth sense i don't ever need to see it again yeah, I can understand. I mean, Hugh Jackman gave a good ass performance in that movie, though. Hugh Jackman was a beast. He's always good, I think. Yeah, and they got Jake. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. I love Jake. Jake's a good actor. He, they, those guys need to do more horror, man. They need to quit doing, you know, musicals and shit. Right. And put yeah. that, put that. Hugh Jackman with that aggression. Oh, no. I feel like I feel like Hugh Jackman probably got a <laughs> got, got paid probably a pretty good amount for the Greatest Showman. I mean, I'm sure he did. He's still he's still doing that shit on Broadway. Um, God damn, really? Yeah, yeah, that shit's popular, man. That's why you Wolverine no more. <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna go into the final comparison of the book if you're ready for that. Yeah. All right. So now that we've talked about the movie and spoiled the movie, I'm gonna go into the differences that the movie had with the book. And yes, there will be spoilers um, about the book. Um, as I mentioned earlier, how. Uh, Susanna uh, dabbled in the occult with tarot cards and stuff. Gwen praised to God. I actually think I might have said this one earlier. Um, I'm not sure, but um, did I mention she praised to God? But 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 not but not this. Okay, well, um, what little shrine Gwen does have is to God. Uh, it's not tarot cards or nothing. So they spun that from the book. Maybe they thought praying to God would make her more sympathetic. Does say fuck you, God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's got a little attitude. Um. And she kind of reminded me in a lot of ways. I can't believe I forgot, forgot to mention this of, I wish I could remember her name from, uh, psycho Gorman. Mimi. Right. Yeah, dude. Yes. Totally. So see, yep. See, I didn't even, I didn't hair even and get everything. The, the hair and everything. Yeah. The look. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So in the book, the grabber's real name is Al and in the movie, uh, his name's never stated. I think I like it better with their name. Agreed. Um, the grabber sprays Finney with wasp spray in the short film. In the movie, it could have been mace. I'm not convinced it was wasp spray in the movie, but it definitely could have been, but it happened so quickly. Hopefully there's a commentary track or something on the Blu-ray, but if that was not wasp spray, it was wasp spray in the book. Pretty fucked up, right? I mean, he does Oh, well, the grabber sprays him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the grabber's a dick. <laughs> well uh also finney bites the grabber's arm and in the story he i'm sorry in the in the story uh finney bites the grabber's arm whereas in the movie he cuts the grabber's arm he also i want to know about the battery power because he uses that like pen at rocket right like how much battery power that thing got for that light like that thing <laughs> never died i expected it to die at some point in the movie on him i think we backtracked with technology batteries lasted longer then than yeah. they do now um 
But uh, in the short story, Finney refers to himself and the other victims as the black balloons. I thought that was pretty cool. That sounds like so, a cool. So, so the short stories are no literal black balloons. Uh, there's no, there or are, no yeah, there are, there are okay. black balloons. Like that's what lures them into the van. Kind of the same thing that happens in the movie. Kind of uh, has like a stack of black balloons, tie, like tangles them up in them and sprays them in the face and shit, throws them in the van. Um, but uh, he refers to himself like he's kind of in the room thinking he's going to die. And he's like, I'm just going to be out there like the other kids, like all the other black balloons floating in the sky. So I thought that was a cool little reference. Um, in the movie, you see a lot of different kids call Finney. This is a good one. Um, uh, and uh, only Bruce Yamada, the baseball player, calls Finney in the story. Uh, in the movie, they give you some scenes with Bruce to show you a flashback. Uh, and they show you a flashback with Finney. Um <clears throat> I'm sorry. Let me reword that. In the movie, they give you some scenes with Bruce and show you a flashback that Finney has in the book before he gets grabbed by the grabber. Uh, so Billy the Paperboy, the arcade kid, I think his name was Vance. You had mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Um, Griffin and Robin, who's Finney's friend in the movie, um, they're all made up for this movie. Also, Finney and Gwen's dad, Terrence, Jeremy Davies, uh, was made up. Uh, there was no paternal relationship explained in the no in, in the story, nor was there an abusive alcoholic in it. Jeremy Davies was a fucking asshole, but um, I kind of sympathized with him on the hardest of levels. Um, if that was my daughter, I would I would have the same fears that he had. I just you know I wouldn't want my daughter to grow up and kill herself like my like her like her mom did. You know, and then the fact that she's showing traits of that that would scare the shit out of me. You know, like so he just he goes too extreme. He goes too far in his ways. He doesn't know how to take it. He he just needed to put the damn bottle down you know and what he does is unforgivable i wanted to jump through the fucking screen and strangle him but you could see that he cared and he's just a broken mess and doesn't know how to handle raising two kids on his own do you agree so there's a lot of stuff in there um so all those other kids are not in the book at all or, or they don't call him there uh th there may be a mention of like one of them or two of them but nobody else calls him at all it's only bruce see i kind of like the idea of Bruce kind of guiding him through that and him being the only one. But then we wouldn't have Robin and Robin's a little fucking badass. Yeah. I that's I I agree. Robin was was one of the key players of the movie. And speaking of which, I want to go back to what you had said when you were bringing up how they caught the grabber or how he caught the grabber. I like how they were all attempted escapes. Everything that they told Finney was like the combination lock to get out the door, the pull the grate out of the window, the dig a hole in the ground, they are you know and find a good dig a hole in the wall and get through the freezer. Like these were all like escape routes, and they didn't work. And then at the end, they all were like used as a way to trap the grabber, so so Finney could get out. So yeah. the way that they all ended up working, kind of organically as opposed to the way they were meant to work it was it was very that was clever that was definitely clever um, and uh yeah i feel like the father really did add a lot to the movie as well agreed he was very uh like well uh, like i said did you did you sympathize with him do you see where despite the abuse do you see where he's coming from and like yeah. he's like if, if you if you were a if you were a panicked drunken mess but you erase that you could still see the fear that he has he's just doing it he's going about it all wrong exactly He's just, yeah, he's not handling it well. And, uh... Just okay. like, uh... <clears throat> was it Tom and Slapface? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's trying, but he's not... He's not doing it well, though. He's not He's not doing a good enough job. Um, and, uh, Finney being bullied and scared wasn't in the book. That was added to the film, I'm guessing, to uh, add emphasis on Damn, him being it weak. added more to the relevance that, like... Like, I was making that joke about how uh, their material's done better by other people, like... That's another one that I feel like you're like, there's like, you've read it. I haven't, but the stuff you're telling me that I'm just, I'm, 
honestly surprised that a lot of this was not in the book like i know i feel like the whole like alcoholism him being bullied and like i mean essentially being bullied by his father as well like that adds a lot to this and a lot to when he finally stands up to the grabber right that's like, what the whole thing is like he's scared Robin to stand up tell, to himself like, yeah before he finally goes up he said i told you i have to stand up for yourself which is another annoying thing because it's in the trailer and he's like today is that day yeah <laughs> and uh those, like and, and but now you get what i said when I, I was saying i wonder why a story like the black phone was what was picked to make a movie out of when they had to add so much to it like that's no joke you know um not that it was a bad story but it's just like what they added you're like damn that's a totally different movie like it literally like the book just became the premise at that point i think you know um but uh i think <laughs> going back to, <laughs> to that again uh what was it Stanley Kubrick said about Stephen King? He's really good at making a shell of a story, but he's not good at the details. Quit shitting on Stephen King, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to make that to carry over to it, Joe. I get <laughs> Well, um, Max... I'll stop shitting on the Kings. Max, the grabber's brother, um, is never given a name in the short story and literally only appears in the doorway for a second before he dies in the same fashion as in the movie. Uh, the grabber is super anxious because his brother had off work that day. Um, so the grabber, Al, uh, was paranoid that he discovered his little that he would discover his little secret in the basement, and he was right. Max doesn't do any investigating, and he's not on coke like James Ransone is in the film. So that leads to your theory about was it a nod? Is this nod character Max in the film a nod to Deputy So and So? Seeing as how he didn't do any investigation in the book, and he was like just a one scene character, I think that that has to be the whole like let's, the let's bring scene, him back as a as a, the as coke a scene investigator. Was hilarious. <laughs> my man just left three three lines just chilling the cop tells him clean that up and he just he cleans it up he just uses his nose to do it right but um yeah um and i'm glad they expanded because i like james ran soon and the ending is very close actually i won't ruin the ending to the book because we're doing a film review but the ending you to the ruin book it to me when, when, when we're off here yeah the, the ending to the book is very close um but like we just said, I do feel that overall with the meat that Scott Derrickson and Robert Cargill put on the bones of this of the base story made by Joe Hill, the movie surpassed the short story by a long shot. There's just not enough in the short story to compare anymore, especially when you can like the acting. You don't picture when you see a fat dude in the book, you don't picture Ethan Hawke in the mask. The movie reinvented the whole story. Like the, the this is one of those ones where the movie surpasses the written word. Yeah, I feel like it can be that way with a lot of short stories, though. Because, I mean, you're just basing treatments off of something that's small and they have to expand it anyway. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> but but, yeah, uh, so that's how the book compares to the movie. Um, I think I think we went uh, balls deep on this. Like, yeah, we did. We did, yeah. You literally got a little book knowledge, got a little <laughs> little movie knowledge. I mean, come on, uh, y'all had to have learned something. We, something. We, put, we put so much into this, y'all had to have learned something. I so. mean, Kenny got to gotta watch it because it's set in uh, Denver. Oh, yes, yeah, so he'll finally watch a horror yeah. movie because it's in Colorado. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Damn, taking shots at our boy Kenny. Thank you I for mean, listening, you... though. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that listen. <laughs> oh, I think we're about done here. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. And uh, I think it's fair to say, if you haven't seen The Black Phone, go fucking see it. Don't, don't listen to the people say it was boring. Yeah, seriously. I've seen a couple of reviews that said it were bad, but other than that, uh, 
They've all been good, and I think it lived up to the hype. And that's the funny thing, is the bad reviews really are just people saying it was okay and didn't live up to the hype. So if that's, like, the worst criticisms you're getting, like... Like, I, I wanted to just put in here, I just want to say, yeah, like, while you're saying that, I saw a post on Facebook in a group that I won't name, and it, like, really annoyed the hell out of me because it was just some random guy. And I don't hold you and I in any particular spotlight. We're not freaking paid movie critics, you know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, like... But, uh, but this guy was like, see what I'm saying? It was literally, this was the post. It was like, see what I'm saying? Oh, you guys were hyping up the black phone. And I didn't see it myself, but I'm seeing that all you guys are posting that it's bad or that half of you guys are saying it's bad. So I told you that I'd be right and that it was going to be all hype and not a good movie. And I wanted to just comment. I'm like, you pretend, you, 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 like, you presumptuous asshole. Like, like, who the fuck are you where you think that you're such a, a genre expert of horror that you could just pinpoint, oh, that movie's going to suck. And then, like, don't, not go see it and then be like, oh, I told you it was going to suck. Like, fuck you. Those type what, of people I'm- out there, fuck you. Like, you don't know shit. I'm sorry. If, like, if that's the type of person you are, then... I- uh, uh, this isn't directed to any of you listeners, but hopefully none of you listeners are like I that. I don't but anybody think that'd who be just, our fan base. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who's just like, you know, Haha, I told you that that movie would suck. And, you know, like, look at all the reviews coming in. It's like, what are you getting at? What, what you think you're Mr. Right that you can call? Go write movies for Hollywood. If you're such a fucking hotshot, I can call what's going to be good and not. Don't listen to the haters is what I'm saying, people. Like John said, go see it for yourself. It's a good fucking movie. The people, everybody who's credible that I know has either liked it or said it was at least decent. I have not heard a bad word from anybody who I give honest credibility to. I know we're wrapping up here, but I just want to quickly point out that basically to sum up what you just said about that person's argument is they originally said the movie was going to suck because they didn't like the trailer or whatever. So they just because people were hyping it up saying it looked good. So because so, of the hype, they said it was going to suck. So because of the hype, they said it was going to suck. They then also said they haven't seen the movie and went and read reviews that confirmed their bias yes. that it was bad. He <laughs> said as an argument as to why it was not a good movie. They even said about half of you. About half of you were posting saying that it was bad or that you didn't <laughs> like it. Yeah. Anyway. So we're becoming real bad like like Joe Bob when he goes back to the movies. We're becoming bad with this. We're wrapping up and then just go on a tangent real quick. I mean, it happens, but that yeah, that's some bullshit, man. Like, I hate that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, go fucking see the movie. Anyway, follow us online, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MySpace, 4chan, uh, Friendster, whatever the hell. OnlyFan. <laughs> our OnlyFan. Uh, our OnlyFan, like our one fan. That's Kenny. <laughs> He our only fan. <laughs> FYI, let's clear that up. We do not have an OnlyFans. <laughs> God help your eyes. I mean, but if there is demand. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know where to follow us online. <laughs> High on Horror 420 at all your social medias. <laughs> and, uh, watch out for that. We'll have our next episode announced. Uh, also, make sure to check out our website, highonhorror.com. You can always email us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. And uh, how about wrap her up? Catch you later. Bye, everybody. <laughs>